Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Degree of Difficulty. My name is Aaron Johnson. I appreciate you rocking with me wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Um, make sure to subscribe, share, rate five stars. Also, all of that good stuff, too. So uh, really, really cool uh, reaction here and reception I've gotten since my last podcast. That one has you know taken off. Big shout out to Mike Mallory. Uh, really cool chopping it up with him, having him come on the show and just really tell him talking about his experience about you know playing overseas and and what that whole transition was like uh, as well as talking about his uh, great college career uh, back at Southern Connecticut State University so if you haven't checked that one out go back uh, Mike Mallory shoot to get hot shoot to stay hot I'm telling you bro I'll use that one in my everyday life so but we're rounding out the week here Uh, it's a Friday it's a little bit before seven o'clock I'm actually enjoying the fact that it's a Friday Uh, like I said the last two weeks I felt like I've been just running around doing a bunch of crazy stuff so this week I'm about to just chill bro like I'm about to just chill I want to get on my couch Get on some TV, get some food, get on some games, and re- and just relax. That is that is in the agenda for Aaron Johnson this weekend. But before that, had to drop one more episode this week for a degree of difficulty. And I promise you guys, I'm not picking on the teams that I talk about, the players I talk about. I try not to pick on them. I try not to take any kind of you know kind of weird satisfaction about about talking <laughs> talking about some of these teams, but. Man, sometimes watching the New York Giants is just hard to do. And I'm sorry for all my Giant fans out there that are listening to me. And, you know, don't shut the podcast off. Don't worry. It's not going to be that bad. But the Giants just can't catch a break. Corey Coleman, uh, one of the wide receivers that they picked up to try and replace Odell Beckham Jr., he's out for the season with a torn ACL. He suffered in training camp today. So that's that just sucks. And Corey Coleman's career has been really just terrible with how everything has kind of happened for him i mean first round pick back in 2016 15th overall out of i want to say he was out of or no baylor there it is baylor i almost said oregon green jerseys green crazy jerseys going on so uh yeah no he was out of baylor but coleman coming in he had a really solid uh first year he got drafted by cleveland uh 33 catches 413 yards three touchdowns and if you guys remember he was gonna be the you know the number two to josh gordon and that was supposed to be like an amazing setup that they had out there for for deshaun kaiser and i mean kaiser flamed out because kaiser really wasn't that good that's first and foremost deshaun kaiser was not very good he just wasn't so he flames out and then the whole issue with with josh gordon with him and the substance abuse and getting kicked out of the league and then re stated and then getting released and coming back and then Corey Coleman that first year he got on IR I forgot what he injured but he was placed on IR midway through the season and that's kind of been the 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 norm for this guy and this guy's got I mean I remember watching him in college he's crazy talented like 6-2 I want to say ran I believe I saw his 40 time at like a 4-3-3 which is just again I ran a 4-6-4-7 in high school Anything under that is ridiculous to me. That's just, I mean, that's ridiculous to me. And I've been out of high school, like I said, for like 10 years. Um, 
So yeah, it's just unfortunate for Corey Coleman. And I said I would have liked to see him, you know, do something with the Giants this year. He was IR with the Browns and he got traded over to the Bills who released him. Then he was with the Pats for a little while. They thought that was going to be something. He got released there. He got picked up by the Giants this year. Really looking for a turnaround year. And this is not going to happen at all. He's out for the season. Torn ACL suffered it today. So again, tough, tough break for the for the Giants. And I mean the Giants, and then they also lost Sterling Shepard for a little while with a broken thumb, and Sterling Shepard's the guy now. I mean, that's who he's the guy. Who else are you going to throw the ball to other than Ingram, your tight end? Um, so the Giants, and I wanted to touch on that today. Uh, it's tough when you have to look at the New York Giants for what they are. I mean, I talked about it on Monday with the Odell Beckham Jr. comments on the uh, GQ, not G2, GQ uh magazine uh, cover story and everything. And it's just, it's tough to watch the deterioration of the Giants. I mean, yes, I'm a New York Jet fan. I am going to be a New York Jet fan. I love my New York Jets. I am going to weep tears of joy the day that they're holding the Lombardi Trophy, which I do believe will happen in my lifetime. I will go down and say that's going to happen in my lifetime. But it is tough to watch the Giants deteriorate like this because, I mean, it's not too long ago I remember watching the Giants in two Super Bowls. I mean, they won... Back when Eli against the Patriots, when they stopped that undefeated season, and then they won again against the Patriots. And that that also built the legacy for Eli a little bit is the fact that who else has beat Tom Brady in in a uh, outside of Nick Foles? Who else has beat Tom Brady in in the Super Bowl? I mean, I hate to say it, but Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And trust me, I'm not going to go on a Tom Brady rant. I hate Tom Brady. Let's just drop it there. But still, the Giants were the New York football giants. And then for them to just kind of falter the way they have between uh, Gettleman's poor decisions and Pat Shermer not being able to really control anything. And now Eli's disgruntled. Eli's old now. And just they got this running back who is probably top three in the NFL, but they're going to end up wasting his years. It reminds me almost of a scenario where I'm afraid the giants are going to turn into like the, the Detroit lions of, uh, Barry Sanders, great prime. Barry Sanders, obviously one of the greatest running backs of all time. He's been he played his entire career in Detroit on the Lions. The Lions were no were no good for the majority of the time they were there. I think they went to the playoffs like once or twice. And I'm afraid that's what's going to end up happening here with the Giants and especially Saquon Barkley. So it's tough to see them kind of just fall apart like this i mean granted it's usually it's hard to see any team that was great fall apart except i'm gonna i think i'm gonna throw a parade when the when the patriots dynasty ends i think i just am i just you know i think i'm gonna crack open like a like a 25 year bottle of of something something that's just gonna taste really good and just cheers to the fact that it's over you know that's just that's just that's that's this is a perfect way to kind of end the hell that has been my life as a New York Jet fan in the AFC East and actually everybody in the AFC East. I have a conversation with my buddy all the time who's a big AFC East, a Dolphins fan, and you know anytime we're playing each other, as you know, I'm gonna get you, bro. We are gonna get y'all this week. Anytime they're playing the Patriots, it's good luck. Beat them sons of guns. So <laughs> it's I think everyone in the AFC East is gonna do that, but. It is. It's tough to see the Giants kind of go down this road. And it was nice to see one thing that was nice to see for the Giants was Eli firing back a little bit at Odell Beckham Jr. Like I said, his GQ comments about feeling disrespected about being traded, not really wanting to be there and all, all the stuff that Odell said during that time. And I touched on that on Monday. If you haven't, you know, want to get my opinions on that, go back in and check out that podcast. Odell, give it Odell, take it the way. But 
you know, Eli has every right to go bounce back and and talk about Odell Beckham. Eli Manning's a two-time Super Bowl MVP, and Eli Manning's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Eli Manning, for all intents and purposes, and I know a lot of people are not going to want to hear that, Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Hell no. Is he even a second or third time Hall of Famer? No, probably not. Is Eli's going to get into the Hall of Fame on like a really slow year. Kind of how like it's, it's going to be something's going to happen where it's a slow year and like all the greats are already in and Eli's kind of still there. It's going to be like one of his middle or last times on a ballot. But Eli's going to get into the Hall of Fame. I, I hate to say it, he is. And I think that because of the Super Bowls, because it was against Tom Brady, because the Giants were good. And honestly, up until about maybe another, about a year or two ago, Eli had actually pretty solid numbers. Like he did. He had pretty solid. There was a point in time when you were talking about Eli Manning as a top maybe five quarterback, top seven quarterback in the NFL. Granted, it was only for like a year or two. And who knows what happens if Plaxico Burris never shoots himself because then that is going to go. That that team, again, if Plaxico Burris doesn't shoot himself on that team, that team probably at least gets to the NFC Championship game, if not the Super Bowl, if not wins the whole doggone thing. So, and Eli Manning's career is completely different right there. Then and there. So I look at Eli Manning as somebody who he has the pedigree. He has the the name. First of all, I mean, the Mannings are what the first family of, of quarterbacks on top of the fact that, you know, this is his team. I hate to put it that way. Saquon Barkley is the best player on this team. But when you think of the New York Giants and what they have left, it's going to be synonymous with Eli Manning. And Eli is on his way out. He is. I, I actually said last year I thought Eli had one more year. Um, they've already drafted his quote-unquote heir apparent, uh, Daniel Jones, out of Duke. And I will say I laughed at the pick. I said, I've been doing a lot of laughing at the Giants lately. I will. I, 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 as, as the little brother of New York football for so many years, for my entire life, it's nice to kind of get a, get a little chuckle in here uh, every day when the Giants and, you know, the dumpster fire that they have some, somehow turned into, you know, at the blink of an eye. But I, I do. I think Eli Manning is that this is his team. And so even with Daniel Jones, and I do think Daniel Jones will play at some point this year, you know, when the when the Giants are like, you know, like seven and or excuse me, when the Giants are, are sitting at like three and seven or something like that or or two and seven, he'll he'll get in and he'll play. Um, but I mean, I just look at the way the Giants are built right now and the way that their whole just trajectory. It, it just went so fast. It went so south so fast, like a lead balloon. That's kind of how it went with the Giants. Giants. Giants went just like a lead balloon. And so I know they looked at Kelvin Benjamin today trying to sure that up. But Kelvin Benjamin, he he just didn't act out or, or play out how everyone thought he was going to be. Dude is like way overweight for a wide receiver, has been way overweight as a wide receiver for the majority of his career. That is the connotation that you get when you think of Kelvin Benjamin, not the guy that had that great year with Cam Newton in Carolina, caught the game winning touchdown in the national championship game uh, from Jameis Winston when he was at Florida State. You don't think about that Kelvin Benjamin. You think about the Kelvin Benjamin that reports to camp when he's like, 250 pounds as a wide receiver. So the Giants are in disarray right now. Um, credit Eli again, like I said, for firing back at Odell. This is his team. And, you know, like he said, the Giants won, you know, a few games before Odell got there. A few big games, you know, that came with the rings and they were shiny. They beat the Golden Boy, all of that good stuff. So, and Eli was at the helm for that. So kudos to Eli Manning for firing back and, you know, protecting his team and his organization. But, 
That's about all the Giant fans have to look forward to coming into this year. That and praying to God that Saquon Barkley doesn't get injured with the 350 carries he's about to get this year. So who knows what's going to happen with the Giants. Uh, a lot of news with training camp happening. So I'm excited. Sam Darnold looks great. Knock on wood. And hopefully he stays uh, He stays from injury. Again, knock on wood. Um, but like I said, with the Giants, it is tough to watch them deteriorate like that. And I'm sorry to all my Giant fans out there, all my Giant listeners that uh, have to deal with that. Maybe now you'll know what it feels like to be second fiddle just for a season or two, if not longer. Who knows? And Daniel Jones, you guys got to trust. Coming up on my second story that I really wanted to touch on today was in the NBA. And, you know, we're going to close out with a little bit of baseball. So I'm sorry if you don't like baseball. I love baseball. So you're going to have to listen to me rock. Um, Actually, you don't have to, but I would really like for you to. You see how I did that? But no, seriously, coming into the second story that I'm definitely touching on is going to be the fact that the uh, uh, Houston Rockets went ahead and introduced Russell Westbrook today. And that was weird. Like, I, I have to say it was weird to kind of see him with the red and and see him in the and I saw some of the photos, you know, when they take like the, the big photography photos and he's got the the Houston Rockets jersey on and he's he's he looked like he's smiling and he's like, yeah, man, come on. Despite what he's in the press conference talking, just saying like despite the kind of, you know, competitiveness he shows on the court, he's a nice guy. And I actually genuinely do think Russell Westbrook's a nice guy. And I think he's just a fiery competitor. But um yeah, I don't know about Houston. I don't know where they're going to land. But I do think Houston's going to have a very above average, to solid to above average team this season. I do think Houston could finish. I'm looking around as I say this, making sure nobody's going to knock me out. But I do think Houston can finish in the top three in the Western Conference. Now, I know that's a tall order because you got L.A., L.A., Denver, uh, Portland. And, you know, especially the way that Portland retooled. And, I mean, we're not talking about the L.A. teams because a lot of people are going to look at L.A. and say, well, that's one and two. Um, but you look at some of the teams that are going to take a step back. I think despite Tim Duncan being there, I definitely think the Spurs are going to take a step back. I, I think that Sacramento's right around the corner uh, with some of the teams that they're – some of the players they have over there. I think although they might not make the playoffs this year, I definitely think Phoenix is in a great position um, to, to make some moves there. I think that uh, New Orleans obviously is another. So – I, I, like I said, it's it's up in the air. You know, OKC is not going to be there after they're just they're in full tank mode. So, it's it. I I think Houston has a good shot. Now, the one thing that scares me about Houston is the fact that they only have one ball in the game of basketball, and Russell Westbrook and James Harden are so ball dominant. And that's something that people have talked about a lot. They're so ball dominant. The the one thing I say about James Harden is that he dribbles the ball for 22 seconds and says, well, either I got to jack up this from midcourt or I got to pass it to you and you have to jack it up. So I like Westbrook and I like Harden together if they figure it out. I mean, they played together on the Olympic team. They played together for several seasons, got to an NBA Finals in Oklahoma City. Granted, they lost to LeBron James in the Heat, but they got there. So a rapport and a friendship and a camaraderie has already been built. The question is, is it going to be able to maintain throughout the the entire season? Because one thing that I remember thinking about and, and reading about and hearing about was the fact that, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul look really buddy-buddy in some of them State Farm commercials. They look really buddy-buddy coming into the season when they also played on the Olympic team together. But, you know, it didn't work out that way. Chris Paul was ready to fight him. 
That's how it sounded like to me. Chris Paul was ready to fight him after it was all said and done in Houston. And that, and and losing doesn't help anything. If they get there, if Russell Westbrook gets there, James Harden is there, and they start winning games immediately. If they come out hot, if they're able to get, you know, like I said, top three in the Western Conference and maybe even get to a Western Conference final, who knows how the bracket might stack up. Maybe the Lakers and Clippers got to play each other early. NBA don't want that, but who knows what can happen. And Houston could potentially still get there. Now, the question is going to be, if they start losing, where the fireworks going to come from? Because they're going to be fireworks. Russell Westbrook did not come to the situation. I mean, granted, it's a better situation than he would have had in OKC, but he didn't come to the situation to be OKC. He didn't come to the situation to be, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh seed in the Western Conference, maybe play a round or two and then go home. That's what he did in OKC ever since KD left. Ever since they got to the Western Conference Finals that year, blew the 3-1 lead against Golden State before Golden State went on and blew the 3-1 lead against the uh, the, the Cavs. He's been a first-round, second-round you know, player, player, team, and then they, they're out. On top of the fact that the last image that you have of him in an OKC Thunder jersey is of Damian Lillard hitting the game-winning three, waving goodbye to the entire team. And really the entire era, because Westbrook's the last holdout from that era when it comes to OKC. So it's I have optimism for Houston. I don't have faith yet. I, I definitely don't have I definitely don't have faith. Um, but I have optimism in Houston. I think Houston has a chance to maybe do something as like a dark horse kind of team. Because like I said, you're looking at the Clippers, obviously. You're looking at the Lakers, obviously. You're looking at Portland. You're looking at Denver. Those are like the top four teams when I think of in the in the Western Conference. And I I think Houston can be that that dark horse team to kind of sneak in in front of Denver, especially because Denver's Denver's weird. Denver's like a young team. They got joke uh no no Jokic. Holy cow, I almost said I wanted to say Joker and then I ended up saying Jokic. They have Jokic, Nikola Jokic, who's the best big man in the game right now. And you know, they got a a, a lot of nice parts. I kind of like Gary Harris. I'm not crazy about Gary Harris. I like Jamal Murray, especially for the way that he looks like he has he's a little hot and cold for me at times, but he he looks like he kind of has that killer instinct. We saw it a little bit in the playoffs this past year. So I don't mind Denver, but I can definitely see Denver taking a slip a little bit. Portland, I think, is going to be very good. So I think Portland is going to be one or two either way. Um, I'm afraid of one of those L.A. teams. I, I think those L.A. teams on talent, definitely one, two, three, four. But I think that on, you know, playing together. It's going to take them a little while to mesh. Uh, I think it's going to take the Lakers a little bit longer to mesh before the Clippers. Only reason why is because... I guess Anthony Davis is the best player since Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh that LeBron had to play with. And if you guys remember going back to those early games, early seasons that he played in Miami, they they struggled a little bit. They struggled to find their footing. They they went to the finals that first year, but then they ran into Dirk Nowinski getting fouled every two seconds and going to the free throw line, and and they lost in the finals. I mean, Deshaun Stevenson was one of the star players of that team. I don't even know where Deshaun Stevenson is <laughs> right now, but. That's how I look at it. I look at the Lakers having an opportunity to be one of the final teams at the end of it, but I don't think they're going to start that way. I think they're going to struggle. I think they might get in as like a four seed, and that's where I think Houston might be able to jump up. If if Harden and Westbrook have great seasons, if Harden and Westbrook are able to play together, if Harden and Westbrook are you know able to get some early 
season success and be able to build off that momentum. I think they can they, they can jump to the three. I do. I think they'll be very solid. It was weird to see him introduced with the jersey, and it was weird to see the red. And I just – I mean, the dude's been in – Westbrook has been in blue – in some capacity since we've known who Russell Westbrook is. This isn't like, you know, he was playing in college back when I was still in high school because I remember playing him in the as in the NBA when I was in high school. So Westbrook, I want to say, he was drafted back when they were the Sonics, right? He was the first pick that they made before the, right before, like, like weeks or months before the move to OKC. So although they were the Seattle Supersonics that drafted him, he never played in Seattle. He never played in the green. Uh, and so it's 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 weird to see. When UCLA he had the blue, in in OKC he had the blue, and now he's in the red, and it just it just it just looks weird aesthetically. But I think that Houston has an opportunity to do something here. I'm not gonna say something special. I'm not gonna sit here and say I have faith in Houston. I don't have really faith in any teams outside of my favorite teams, and even that faith can be waning at times. So I definitely have optimism, and I think that they can definitely be a dark horse in this situation and be a dark horse in a Western Conference that is supposed to have parity. We want parity in the NBA. This is what we want. We got tired of seeing the same teams over and over again in the Western Conference, in the, in the Western Conference Finals, in the NBA Finals. This is what we need in the NBA, parity. It helps everybody, and in this parity, I got Houston being a dark horse for three. I think they'll probably end up, you know, maybe like the four or five seed. Again, as a dark horse, maybe get an upset here or there. Because if one of these guys has an MVP season and is able to play like that in the postseason, who knows what's going to happen? Again, my fear, there's only one ball. I don't know who's going to be taking the last shot at the end. I don't really trust James Harden in playoff games. But I think having an opportunity to play with somebody like Russell Westbrook, who's a little younger than Chris Paul was, not as good of a floor general at all, but I think he has an opportunity to do something there. I, I, I fear that Russ can get a little crazy. Like I said, if they don't start winning immediately, it's gonna be it's gonna be in trouble. It's gonna be uh, Houston. We have trouble. Have have problems. Houston. We we have some trouble. But seriously, I do think that. If Houston gets an opportunity to start off strong and able to stay that momentum all the way through, I think they'll be okay. And I think they'll be able to surprise some people out in that Western Conference. And the last thing I want to close out with here, guys, is uh, guys and gals. I keep, gotta, I keep doing that. I keep saying guys. It's got to be guys and gals. Uh, but the last thing I definitely want to close out with um, today is going to be looking at the Major League Baseball uh, trade deadline. Trade deadline starts next week. Uh, or trade deadline is next week, I should say. July 31st, like it has almost always been. I can't remember a time. Well, as long as I've been alive, it's always been July 31st. And just kind of looking at some of the the situations and scenarios that could potentially happen here in Major League Baseball. And one of which is, yes, it involves one of my favorite teams. This has been a been a New York-centric, uh, two out of my three segments have you know, been surrounded by New York teams. So, you know. Um, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And in the MLB, that's how it's shaping up because the playoff teams are basically set, give or take one or two. Uh, you know the Yankees are going to be in. You know the Dodgers are going to be in. You know the Twins are going to be in. Uh, the the Red Sox and or the Rays might be in. You know Houston's going to be there in the American League. National League, you know, like I said, you know the Dodgers are there. Braves are probably going to be there. Central might be a little bit more up in the air, but I still got my money on the Cubs. Um and so a lot of these teams are going to be make 
making uh, a look at you know some opportunities to bring in that that one little mm to get you over. Because I mean, and and we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen with as as when the Cubs won the World Series, first time in a hundred. It was one hundred nineteen years that they won the World Series. Curse of the Billy Goat, all of that stuff. They made the trade. For the for Araldis Chapman with the Yankees, the Yankees weren't really doing anything that year, and the Yankees were sellers. They had Andrew Miller, they had Araldis Chapman. They traded both, and in in turn, they were able to go ahead and turn Araldis Chapman into Glaber Torres, who has been to two All Star games in his first two seasons in the MLB. Has I believe at this point, last time I checked, he has like 22, 23 home runs as basically a second baseman, second baseman, shortstop, where we want to play him up the middle infielder. And he's smooth. He's a very, very smooth fielder at times. Um, and he's Glaber Torres is what, like 21? So, I mean, and on top of the fact, Aroldis Chapman came back to the Yankees. So, and the Cubs got their World Series. So, you're looking at the scenarios of teams that are trying to get that extra push. And speaking of the Yankees, they need pitching. They need starting pitching. They just got beat 19 to, what was it, 19 to 3 yesterday in Boston? And Masahiro Tanaka, he has not pitched well against Boston this year. And and I think Tanaka's a, a big game pitcher. I've thought Tanaka was a big game pitcher for a very, very long time. And he's shown it in in some of his postseason in some of his postseason performances. But against Boston this year, he really hasn't had any luck. Masahiro Tanaka has just gotten hammered. Against Boston, I mean, he's given up. He gave up twelve runs in three and two thirds inning yesterday. Three and two thirds innings. Xander Bogarts went four for six with four RBIs. They lost nineteen to three. Like it's it's hard to watch the Yankees. And I said I'm not trying to complain about the Yankees. This the Yankees that. I mean, the Yankees are probably barring some kind of craziness going to be the number one team going into the postseason they're going to run away with the division i believe they're with this win i think they're just now nine games up in first place but when you look at the guy who's supposed to be what maybe your game one game two starter uh, severino's out so are you going to give the ball in game one to jay hat no you can give the ball to uh the big maple james paxton probably not are you going to give the ball to Domingo Herman? You don't know what Domingo Herman is. Domingo Herman's having a great season, but you still don't know what he is as a as a starting pitcher to give him the ball in game one. So your game one starter is probably going to be Masahiro Tanaka in the postseason. I can't see it being any other way unless you go out and get a starting pitcher of the caliber of Madison Bumgarner or Marcus Stroman or maybe even Trevor Bauer where you can throw Tanaka game one, Bauer game two. You're not going to get Syndergaard because the Mets are never going to trade him to the Yankees, but you got to do something here to, to, to fix this. Fix Tanaka against the Red Sox because his numbers against the Red Sox this season are absolutely insane and, and, and not in the good insane way. In the, whole, oh, my God, what is going on? Holy criminy, what is going on? In two starts against the Red Sox this year, June 29th and last night, July 25th, Tanaka is 0-1 with a 40.50 earned run average. 40.50. That is that I can't even I don't I can't even know if I can count that high. Like how is your ERA 40? How is it over 40 against the Red Sox? I get it. Two starts, but still you it's it's so bad. It's so bad. His first start against the Sox, he lasted two thirds of an inning. He didn't even get out of the first inning. Gave up six earned runs. 
Didn't strike out anybody. Two walks, four hits. And then last night, three and a third, 12 hits, 12 earned runs, four strikeouts, three walks. And, I mean, if you're trying to win a World Series, that's what it is about with the Yankees. That's what the focus is. They've been in October since about June or April. They've been in October. Or June or May, I should say. And so if you're going to beat Houston in a a four-game series, because Houston's got the best pitching. They do. Justin Verlander is uh, he's nasty. You got Jer- Jared Cole who's there as well. They got they got two top flight pitchers, at least three. I'm I'm missing one off the top of my head, but who are you going to be bring against those guys? Verlander has just owned the Yankees in the last couple postseasons. He has. And so, when you look at the Yankees, they got to get pitching. When you look at the Twins, they have to get pitching. The Twins have it down. Twins can hit a lot of home runs. I believe they leave the major leagues in, in home runs. I got it. The Twins like to hit the ball out of the park. We saw it when they played the Yanks the other day. And the final score of that game, I want to say, what was it, like 14 to 12? It was a crazy wild game, best game of the year. Aaron Hicks with a huge game for the Yankees. Um, D.D. Gregorius with a huge game for the Yankees. But still, the Twins can hit the ball out of the ballpark. That's not the issue. The issue is they need pitching as well. Just a little bit because the Twins have an opportunity to sneak up on the Yankees and really take the Yankees. I don't want to see the Twins in a four-game series as a Yankee fan. I don't because who knows what the Twins can be. So you got Houston you have to worry about, and Houston just really has to get healthy. That's all it is. Houston has the pitching. Houston does. Houston just Houston's banged up like something fierce. They just got to get healthy. I believe Altuve is back. I believe Springer is back. But Bregman just went out. Not too long ago. Alex Bredman, their all-star third baseman, he just went out. They still don't have Correa back. Carlos Correa, their all-star shortstop. And so Houston is is in a situation where if they get healthy, healthy, they're still the favorite because of that pitching that they have. And that's a really scary thing for a team like the Yankees, for a team like, uh, like the Twins who understand that pitching wins championship. And I'm looking at it right now. Correa is actually supposed to return to the lineup tonight. He's missed 50 games, and he's returning to the lineup tonight. So Houston's getting healthier. They have to be able to contain, uh, maintain, excuse me, that healthy, that healthy, healthy ways. But Houston is not a team that you want to see. I'm not, admittedly, I'm not really concerned about uh, the American League East. I'm not concerned about uh, Tampa Bay. I'm not really concerned about the Red Sox. Knock on wood, because you know that one, that one has no opportunity or chance to bite me back in the butt. But I'm not when it comes to the Yankees. I'm not. And when you look at some of the buyers and some of the sellers, and like I said, we talked about the Yankees are buying. The Twins are trying to get a player here and there. Uh, Oakland's trying to get back into the race and really try and keep pace with one of the wild card teams. Uh, The Red Sox are trying to make sure they don't keep pace. The Braves are trying to make sure that they're still solid going into potentially coming out of the, the NL and challenging the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are trying to push their lead even more. So all the teams that are getting into the playoffs that are going to be there in October, they're looking to get stronger. And with the deadline, that's going to bring an opportunity for these teams to get stronger. And a lot of them need pitching. They just do. And, I mean, we've seen it before. Pitching does win championships. I don't care how hot your bat is. If you come in against a top-flight pitcher who is just in the zone, you're going to get shut down. You just are. And we've seen that happen throughout the history of baseball, throughout recent postseasons. I mean, look at Madison Bumgarner. Look at the look at the Mad Bum. 
I mean, he came in to the postseason with the Giants. And with the Giants, went three World Series out of four years. And he came in that one year where he just he just shut down on like what three days rest. Came in almost through a what was it? He came in in like the fourth or fifth inning and put and just shut out innings all the way out, and they won a championship. Pitching wins championships. And when it comes to the teams that are looking to win a championship this year, you're going to need to get some top flight pitching. Because we've talked about it before. We know the balls are, you know, maybe made differently or, or well, Rob Manfred said that's not the case. There's no tampering with the baseballs. But home runs are flying out left and right. There's a lot of runs being scored. But it does not matter when you have top flight pitching in October because that is what is always going to maintain as the end-all, be-all way to get to a championship. This isn't like football. Football, you can get a high-powered offense against a, a an above-average defense, and you say, well, we got a great defense, but they got a high-powered offense, and it's tit for tat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't care how high-powered your offense was. You weren't beating the Giants' uh, defense of the 80s with LT. You definitely weren't beating the Buccaneers' defense. You definitely weren't beating that Ravens' defense. So there are some defenses that are just all-time. The Steel Curtain obviously comes to mind, but, you know, I'm a little bit on the young side. But the opportunity there to get great pitching – it's the same way of like having a great defense in, in, in the NFL playoffs. And they need great pitching. So a lot of these teams, like I said, need great pitching if they're going to hoist that trophy at the end of the year. And you got some good sellers out there. Like I said, the Mets are selling. The Blue Jays are selling. The Giants are selling. Kansas City selling. Baltimore selling. All these guys are bad. All these teams are bad, and they're selling good pitchers. They are. You can get Bumgarner off of the Giants, but you're going to have to pay for Bumgarner a little bit. You're going to have to put in some, some, some prospects, some good players from Bumgarner, but you can get him. The Mets are done with Noah Syndergaard. They are. They might try and bring Zach Wheeler back. I've been reading that that's, an opportun- that's a possibility. They're going to bring Zach Wheeler back and get rid of Bumgarner going into, I would say, about maybe like a month and a half ago, two months ago. It was the other way around. They were going to bring Syndergaard in and then trade out Zach Wheeler. But they have a better opportunity with keeping Wheeler because at this point, I really think the Mets are tired of Noah Syndergaard. They're tired of him getting hurt. They're tired of him not pitching well. And, and at the end of the day, he's kind of wore out his welcome with the Wilpons and the Mets. Granted, it doesn't take long to wear out your welcome with the Wilpons, but I digress. It's serious here when it comes to the way that the Mets had an opportunity. And the Mets did. The Mets had an opportunity. The Mets season's over. And I think the Mets had a really good opportunity if they ever got that bullpen situated. But they had an opportunity to really do something this year and be one of those teams that's playing meaningful games in September. But I just I look at the way that the whole Syndergaard thing has kind of deteriorated along with Matt Harvey and all this stuff that the, the Mets are going to have this great pitching staff. And it's just they got to one World Series and they will always have that one World Series with Syndergaard and that one World Series moment where he brushed back the leadoff hitter of, of Kansas City in, in, in the World Series. And his name escapes me. I just the one thing I remember about that moment is Eric Hosmer being like, all right, let's let's bleep and go. I like that. All right. Let's I see how it is from the from the Kansas City bench. But. A lot of these guys are have worn out their welcome or are or are actually very high trade commodities coming out of this debt coming into this deadline. Marcus Stroman has played what almost his entire career, if not his entire career with Toronto. He's been in some high profile games, but he's still a solid pitcher. He can still help somebody out and help somebody win a championship. We already know what Bumgarner can do. Arguably, Bumgarner is the best postseason pitcher ever. Madison Bumgarner may could end his career right now, and he's still a Hall of Famer based off of his post postseason performances. 
So I don't know what the answer is, but the answer, at least for some of these teams, is they have to get pitching. And that's really what it comes down to. I don't know. I get a little passionate about this because October's right around the corner. And I would like to see my team win a championship. And they need pitching in order to do it. And it's not a hard thing to see that. I don't know what Brian Ca- Brian Cashman has made some great moves for the Yankees this year. And I have to commend him for that. Like, I never heard of, of Gio Urshela. Before last season, I never heard of Luke Voigt. I mean, I thought Cameron Maben had been out of baseball. Who is Mike Tockman? Like, what? Where are these guys from? And yet somehow they've, you know, with spit, grit, and duct tape, they've been able to hold it together into a place where the stars get back, and the Yankees have still been in num- the number one team in the AL East for the majority of the season. But you got to stop. With- Give away Clint Frazier. Give away. T- they-, they can take Greg Bird, wherever the heck he is. Give away Clint Frazier. Give away some prospects, even if it means giving up Tarpley or, 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 or Nestor Cortez, who's been solid for the Yankees this season. Give away whatever you can with the exception of someone like Glaber Torres. I'll trade Andujar at this, at this point. Give him Andujar. Package Andujar, Frazier with a couple prospects. Give me Madison Bumgarner and let me go win a championship. Because at this point, the Giants are trying to get younger. San Francisco is. They got they got a bunch of guys on that team that are under like 25. They're trying to get younger. So package all those guys away. Clint Frazier does not belong in the minor leagues. He is a professional baseball player. We've seen it. Could work on his fielding a little bit, but he's a professional baseball player. And that's how you got to look at this situation. So that's just what I think needs to happen. I don't know. I'm just a guy behind a microphone. But again, Either way, guys, I appreciate you rocking with me, as always. Make sure that you uh, subscribe, like, share, rate, all that good stuff, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts at. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of that, all of that, all of that good stuff. So, again, it's been a great week. Thank you again to Mike Mallory for for rocking with me on Wednesday. Uh, Coming up next Wednesday, I got another dude that I know very well, Trey Freeman. Trey's coming in to talk a little bit about his experiences uh, being a videographer uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and that's going to be cool. Training camp kicked off this week for, for a lot in the league. I think I was looking at Trey's Snapchat earlier today, and I think they're in training camp day two down in Miami. So that's going to be really cool to kind of to, to chop it up with him, talk about what his experience has been like to get in that position, to to just be there on the field. And, I mean, like, you look up, that's Cameron Wake. You look up again and, you know, Sam Sam Madison's over here coming over to the studio and some of those old old guys from the Dolphins. I mean, I saw a picture a couple years ago where he was literally just on the sideline standing next to Dan Marino. I'm just like, bro, that's nuts. So it's going to be really cool to have Trey come on and uh, and uh, talk to me a little bit about that and his experiences with that. So either way, guys, again, everyone have a safe, fun, safe, and uh, safe weekend. Uh, this is Degree of Difficulty. I'm Aaron Johnson. And, again, thank you for rocking with me. I'll catch you all next week.